Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody. Josh here. It is... Um, nope. Dismount Never mind. That doesn't work. Properly. That doesn't work. All right. Well, that was fun. <laughs> you heard my... My Stephen Hawking Macintosh in the background. I, I could just stop this and restart it and do it over again, but why would we do that? Let's not. We're not buttoned up over here. I'm, I'm, you know what this is by now. We're several episodes in. Um, this is March 27th. Uh, first podcast back in a while. I was on the road filming, as you know, if you follow me on social, which if you listen to this, you probably do. Otherwise, how would you have found it? Um, had a great time. Getting ready to go back out tomorrow to Vegas, going a couple days early to take in the sights. Uh, I'm just kidding. We're going to eat all the food. Um, so I'm packing and getting ready and remember that this needed to go up today. This is a new episode with me and Tony Vin, who, if you have been listening for a long time, was on uh, two episodes in season one. Season one of which, by the way, you can download from my website. Um, you can buy it from my website and uh, it'll be available Again, through BTR and through iTunes at some point in the future. There's just some editing that's got to take place, some things I want to do before that goes back up um, out to the feed. And, of course, you know, we we had originally migrated those episodes over from <clears throat> Squarespace into BTR. So there were some issues there. So we thought we'd start with a clean slate season two. I've got some I've keep teasing on social media that we've got some exciting new high profile guests and they're coming I promise uh, at some point, unless they die between now and when I get back to sit down with them. But uh, that's happening soon. It's just been, you know, high profile people. It's hard to nail them down to do a free podcast um, over lunch. So I'm working on that. Uh, Otherwise, I'm not. Let's not make this. Let's not make this any longer than it has to be. Uh, Tony Vin, good episode. Uh, Check him out. Uh, If you're in. Vegas, Phoenix, and Tucson over the next two weeks. Go to my calendar on facebook.com slash Josh Denny official, and you can see all of the official filming locations, dates, and times for the upcoming episodes of Ginormous Food. So we're doing Vegas, Phoenix, and Tucson over the next two weeks. Then with a couple weeks off, we're coming back at the end of April to do Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and Detroit. Uh, Enjoy this one, guys. Step right up
I'm I'm kind of psyched to be doing a podcast again. It's been a long time. It has. Are we on? Yeah, we're we're doing it. We're oh, doing the thing. Right. I mean, we're not. We're as on as we're gonna be. All right. So, am uh, I your first three time guest? I think so. Well, oh, this is like your shit. This is like your fourth, right? Third. Third time. Third. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, <clears throat> yeah, th- first three time guest. There you go, people. So Tony Vin, welcome back. Thank you. Um, what up, Josh Denny fans? Yeah, th- we actually have some now. I think because I now I don't know if you know this, <laughs> but I have a TV show. I have uh, that's that's kind of a thing. That's exciting, and I'm jealous of you every Friday night that it comes on. Well, oh, because, because I get to eat food. Yes, you have the dream job. People say that, but you know, um, this is the part where I try to say that it's not, and I give you reasons, but there, I just can't. I'm reaching for them, and I can't come up with any reasons why it's not a dream job. <laughs> Even though you have like 12-hour shoot days and everything, your job is to talk and stuff your face. Pretty, with, yeah, pretty much. Food, and they fly you to places. Yes, they fly they me into in different. Hotels. Yeah, they put me into different cities, and it yeah, it works all right. I'm not complaining. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm eating at El Pollo Loco. Yeah. How did that go today? So normally, when we do these, we do like an episode <laughs> where we go somewhere and we eat, and then you know we talk about it. But we're just not doing that today because we no. we did share a gym together. Today, we did, which was quite nice. We did. Did you feel like you got a, a good workout in? I did. I don't sweat though. I don't think Asians sweat that much. Is that a problem? That's got to be a problem, because sweating is how you actually like get your workout. Like that's how you burn calories, right? Well, well, I sweat when I eat, but like working out, not so much. I don't know. I think I'm all right. Though. Sweat when you eat, but not. when I you sweat work when out. I do cardio, but like when I'm I do heavy lifting. It, I don't know. I just don't sweat that much. But I don't know if Asians really sweat that much in general. You know. Yeah, you know it's true. I've never seen like a sweaty even sumos. Sumos, they when don't you, sweat. They don't. Yeah, they're dry now. They're always doing the the salts and they're you know patting each, with the powder. Yeah, but yeah. they're never sweaty. Never sweaty. I don't know. I don't get it. Now I went to Thailand and it was hot as hell and I was sweating there. That was sweaty. Yeah, yeah. It was hot as hell, but like exercise, I don't. I have to be like running for a really long time before I break a sweat. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. I can't speak for all Asians. Yeah. Do you I have mean, any Asian fans? Probably. Do you? Yeah, tons actually. On really? In, all on Instagram. Yeah, because Asian people are really into food blogging now. Yeah. Like yeah. I showed you, I introduced you to Breadface the other day, and you didn't oh know about Breadface. <laughs> bread, bread. If <laughs> if you if you're listening to this and you don't know who Breadface is, just Google it. Breadface blog. She's on Instagram. This is a chick who, so like her story is that she just looked at soft breads and wanted to mash her face into them because they looked comfortable. Yeah. She thought breads looked comfortable and, and then she, it, and then it just went crazy. Yeah. If you're on a low carb diet, maybe don't watch it, but. Yeah, that would be torture. If you're on a low carb diet and you like Asian chicks, <laughs> don't. Too, too- don't too fet- if, if that's both your fetishes, yeah, you're, do not you're do screwed. It. Like I hate Asian women, but I love a good cinnamon rolls. Yeah. So I'm you found screwed. medium. I, I can I can watch 
and I'm okay. She has 168. This is, by the way, this is extremely humbling. I have a television show that, let's say, 20 million people have seen, but I have like 2,000 followers on Instagram. Yes. This girl smashes her face. It's all it is. Into breads. <laughs> 168,000 followers. It's all it is. It's her smashing her face in the bread oh, and, then, and guys like me jerking off to uh, it. Oh, and this is a huge... Do you really no. crank down to this? If it was rice, I would. Okay. Um, by the way, huge news. Breadface refused to do interviews. And then I'm on her, on her Instagram right now. Her first ever interview. Really? Is on. Now, this is the problem. We're not in the studio today, so we can't just pull this up. Yeah. Otherwise, I would love to do it since you would be here to translate. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, in her video, she covers up her face. So in her interview, what's she got? Like a... No, no, no. She doesn't cover Fikasha? her face. No. I mean, she, she doesn't... She just keeps her face out of frame. Okay. Because the bread really is the star of the show. Right. But in the interview... Just like my it, show, yes. the bread <laughs> is really the star of the show. Um, but yeah, check this out. It's uh, Instagram breadface blog. She's verified. I'm not verified. You're not verified. She's verified. Oh, you need to stuff 168,000 followers. I'm going to start using her hashtags. You should. And I'm going to, next time we do a giant sandwich, I'm going to smell it and then smash my face into it first <laughs> you, and then take a bite. You will get picked up for another season. Yeah, that's the only way to ensure it. By the way, we should talk that you did, you do have a second season coming out. Yeah, right. yeah, no, that's, that's that's old news now. Oh, but we it? do have a premiere date for it, which is April 28th, 2008. There you go. Yeah, there pretty exciting stuff. Um, I'll find a position for this microphone that I like <laughs> at some point. But yeah, so we worked out, and I went to El Pollo Loco because yes. I wanted to get like a chicken salad, which I totally didn't get. I got a burrito. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I thought you were going to go with a healthy choice. I was and then going I saw to, you but I got pissed it. off. Uh, this lady standing in front of me had like 10 kids, which is fine, but it's like... You I know. like that that's what gets you not to get a salad, <laughs> by the way. I saw 10 children, and it I'm made done. me not want a salad. I got anxious. But it's like, you know, it, I, it's like the same rule as if I'm in a grocery store with a full cart, and there's one person with one thing behind me. Just let them go let first. Let them go first. But here's what... Fine, whatever, because El Pollo Loco is pretty fast. But here's what got me. One of her kids, because they got like a little salsa bar. And okay. I don't think kids should be allowed near any kind of like buffet or open food bar. This kid was like squeezing Very lemons. Very strong stance to take in his, as, as an Asian Yes, man. yes. that's so much of your people's livelihood. <laughs> I have a lot of experience in that world. Though. Okay. This kid was squeezing the lime, or lemons onto like his food, and he would just leave the lemon peels. Lemon, like, like seven or eight of them. And I was like, I kind of looked at him, gave him an evil look, and he, he was just like this punk little 12-year-old kid. Just looked at me back and was like, so what? You know? What are you going to do? And then, so I finally got my food and I went to go get some salsa, which everyone who knows a Pollo Loco knows the green salsa is the best shit, right? Okay. Well, then. I don't know. Is it like, so I've never been to, I mean, I've been to El Pollo Loco like one time, which yeah. is crazy because it's like, it's right down the street. To it. It's not the greatest, but no. you know, it's a good, quick thing. But crazy chicken yeah i'll translate for yeah everybody but the home. green sauce is like this avocado green sauce it's good oh it's like an avocado yeah ranch. Yeah. Oh, yeah yeah so that's yeah, that that's, kind of stuff that stuff's good and so i'm center i'm about to get it and his brother comes over and he had like a container here he filled which i'm assuming he went over to taste or use he didn't like the sauce 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Dumps it back into the main thing. And so Jesus, I'm like, what, what the fuck, right? And I just like I'm like, dude, you can't do that. And he's just like, he's like, I don't like it. I go, so you taste it? He's like, yeah. I go, well, then you really can't do that. And he's like, whatever. And he left. And I have to. So he there. licks the sauce in the cup. Well, I don't know if he licked it. He he dumps. walked over. He might have stuck his finger or maybe oh. stuck it. It was obviously he tasted it somehow. That's disgusting. So it's just like whatever. This man. is the problem when you raise your kids to be super green. Is that they think that that's that's how you fix the environment is by putting your right. sauce back in the sauce. Right. You don't do that. What I was just like I was saying to you, it's just like I don't know, man. It's like I feel like living in an LA and it's probably like this in New York and big cities, man. People are just rude. Like here's another thing I notice. Uh there's people I, I notice a trend now where people are just playing music from their phone, like out have you seen this? Oh yeah. Have you ever like, seen in their pockets? Guy, have you ever seen a guy just carrying around like a Bluetooth speaker like yeah. a boombox? Yeah. It's like at least when you were carrying a boombox day boombox days you were gonna break dance or some shit now yeah. people are just playing their or music battle, out loud and it's just like battle or what happened when people fucking bought dre beats by dre it's like yeah you got a stupid headphones but you kept it in your world yeah now people are just well, walking down the street are expensive yeah well you, you can you know what the problem is good <laughs> headphones are like three hundred dollars <laughs> And because people shouldn't be buying those fucking speakers, yeah. they've dropped the price down to like a hundred bucks. Ugh. So for a hundred dollars, you can make everyone in the world listen to your goddamn dumb music. Fucking put in some headphones, cheap yeah. ones, earbuds. Don't they come with your phone? Yes. No, because your phone is prepaid. It's, these it's a trick question. Fucking dirt asses out here, man. I'm just like dirt asses. Dirt asses. You're, you're just saying pieces of shit. Pieces of shit. Okay. Dirt asses, man. So you're saying there's a correlation between the people. That put their sauce back yes. and people that don't like headphones. Entitled, uh, need attention. I travel with three pairs of headphones. Yes. Because you're, you're polite. I have these 7506s, yeah. which I wear if I want to watch a movie or which something. Which are nice, yeah. Yeah, they're, or, or if I'm editing podcasts or if I'm recording a podcast. And then I have uh, my Jabra wireless ones that I wear for working out, yeah. which are great too. And I use those listening to like podcasts or music. And then I have a backup pair of uh, just the regular plug-in ones right. for the iPhone. Right. And because there's not a fucking situation on the planet where I would find it acceptable to just put my phone on speaker. In public. On a shitty, your phone speaker. Yeah. If they don't have is, a Bluetooth, they'll still play out through their phone. I fucking... I hate when people take calls on speakerphone. Yes. Yeah. And this is a, this is a much bigger thing in the black community than it is in the white community. But I, I don't think I've seen a per, I don't think I've seen a black person take a phone call from the receiver in ten years. <laughs> I don't know if they know how it works. 
Like, well, I was, but I will say this: black people they'll still use a Bluetooth. They'll, no, huh? I no? haven't seen that. I haven't seen that in ten. I years. I saw a girl using it on a treadmill yesterday, like a, a Bluetooth. Yeah, yeah. Those, I mean, black people will still speak loud. Yes, but with at least Bluetooth. I don't have to hear the conversation. Like everything I, is like a FaceTime. I saw a dude like FaceTime a business the other day with questions. He just like I don't know. First of all, I don't know how they had that. But he called. He like FaceTimed a business that was like a spa or something. It was like, yeah, you y'all do massage. And they were like, yes. And he was like, let me get one of those massage. Oh, did you run into Tracy Morgan? Again? Yeah, exactly. Okay. And then they're just like. First of all, you could tell that pe- even though their Skype or whatever is yeah. posted, yeah. they don't take a lot of Skypes. <laughs> and so they were still kind of like, oh my, somebody Skyped it. Okay. And then this dude's just like literally eating French fries. Like, let me get one of those massage. Just like making his appointments for his day. Oh, by the way, not on a phone, on an iPad, like a giant <laughs> iPad in the middle of the, It's just like, we get it. You're booking shit. Oh, my God. Like, it, it's, it is one of those things of like, I feel like people do that where they're just like, hey, everybody, look at look me. At me. I'm living what, a good life. My day's full. Yeah, I'm fabulous right I'm now. I'm not Skyping. I'm not going live no. on the shitter. No. We talked about I put that. headphones on. I live alone. And I... When I take a shit, I even put headphones on there because I crack open you the put, window and have neighbors. On, put I don't, your headphones on for your porno? No, I don't. No, you don't watch porno? I, put, I, I hit that on mute. You're like, well, the sound guy wears <laughs> headphones when we make the porno uh, in my place because I'm Asian. <laughs> There's not really much sound when my porno's watching an Asian girl stick Bread, her oh, face in her Okay, bread. yeah, there There's is. There's a mushy sound right. and that's about it. It just goes once. Um, I wish otherwise be... there's just like techno music in the background. <laughs> I wish there was more diversity in her bread, though. I haven't seen her do hollow bread or. Like... Oh no, she's done them all. Really? I, I think she's clearing old ones she's, out. She's equal opportunity. Yeah. bread. I've seen I've seen her smash her face into uh, cinnabon. <laughs> I've seen her do uh, cornbread. Does it turn you on ever? Never. Ever. Never once. Just once. I laugh at it hysterically, like you and I both did when I showed it to you. <laughs> Like, every time I see weird... But when I was laughing, I had a semi going. Okay. You, did, you didn't see it. I, no, of course not. You didn't see it. Nope. I went home my and, prescription's not I went strong. home and fucked a loaf of wonder. Oh, I bet. Yeah. I, d- I have had experiences with bread in my lifetime, but never with bread. I don't need bread and a woman. What do I need a woman for if there's bread to fuck? Speaking of bread, Josh, <laughs> and now that you've traveled kind of the, uh, the States a little and have eaten out of several places... Yeah, it's, Do you, cra- it's crazy to think. We've filmed 11 episodes so far, yeah. which means I've been to 33 restaurants just for the show. Jesus Christ. Forget about the other five or six that we've eaten at yeah. in our travels. Yeah. I'll be honest. You don't look like you've gained I've any... lo- I lost weight on the last run. Oh, that means diarrhea. I lost three pounds. Diarrhea. No, it means I started... I did two things differently. One, I tried to keep working out. Yeah. You called me one time. And two. Like 5 a.m. Yeah, and at two, um, uh, or num- number two, not at two. <laughs> number Diarrhea. B, <laughs> the, two, the second thing I've done is uh, I don't eat after we're done filming. That's, that's key. So I'm not eating any dinner. So it's almost yeah. like intermittent fasting. So yeah. I basically eat, I'm eating pretty much nonstop from eight in the morning until three, anywhere between three and six at night. Yeah. But then after that, I eat nothing. Mm. And now I think if I do anything after that, I'll, I'll drink like a juice. And I was drinking a lot of juices yeah. on this run, and I think that helped a lot too. So it's kind of great when you have PAs. Like, I don't have an assistant 
because I'm not at that level yet. But uh, you know, like now that we have PAs, I'll just tell the AP like, hey, I want I want Jamba Juice at the shoot when I arrive at eight in the morning, and they just make that shit happen. Really disappoints me because I was hoping you'd like gain like. 200 pounds by now. No, I'm already huge. Like, I looked at my driver's license I today. because I'm but I wanted, my... I wanted you to be, like, you immobile. Want to, you want me to be Ralphie Mae fat? I can't. I can't go, I can't go that far. I can't do it. You I, guys uh, don't know who Ralphie Mae is. He's a great th- comic. Nobody listening to this doesn't know who he's Ralphie Mae is. He's a wonderful, hilarious, funny comic. Yeah, very good. Uh, and, and if and if the secret to being that funny is in the weight, I will gain it. But Okay, back to my question, though. Do you agree that the only kind of bread you should have a barbecue is white bread? Yes. Because people do cornbread. Oh, no, I like, not, cor- I like cornbread, But it's too. not the same. But you need not, it to yeah. stick to the top of well, your mouth. Well, here's the problem. The point it crumbles. Of, so uh, before we do this, because I guess I could just title this after Ray's Barbecue. Before we get in it, because this is a good topic conversation I want to take up. If I give a shout-out to Ray, will he, commercial Oh, my break. God, that fucking Instagram picture you post. Uh, dude, that's what we're going to talk about. Let me take a commercial break. No. We'll come back. No. Ah. All right, yeah, so Ray's. Dude, like, I saw that picture. It's on yeah, my Instagram. Listen, I've lived for, in Texas for the last five years, and that Texas bar. I'm from Kansas I'll City. Take you I this love Kansas if you City. Go. Yeah, I want to go. Yeah, I'll take you. This, Kansas City, I love. That's my hometown barbecue. Texas barbecue is a different beast, and, but I fell in love with it, and this looked like Texas barbecue. It man. is Texas Just, barbecue. And I will tell you. So since the show, Mexican dude, right? Yeah, Hispanic dude. He's a Mexican dude from uh, uh, Huntington Park. He's like lived in that area his whole life, and he just well for now. Yeah, he but he fell in love with uh, with Texas barbecue, and he started doing it out of his backyard, and then it it grew to be so big that he was like, I, they were like, you got to open a restaurant. Uh-huh. And I'll tell you, you go into this place. A, it's one of the cleanest kitchens we've ever been in and he's the first person i've uh, whose barbecue i've ever tasted where i could tell what kind of wood it was by uh, the taste of the barbecue uh, now it could damn. just be because through the show i've i've refined yeah, my your palate, palate a little your bit your palate but i will tell you i've had two barbecues knowing that, what wood is like i've had two beaver. barbecues that are the best i've ever had in my life and it was this one and Smoke Shack in San Antonio. And I'd honestly have to eat them side by side to try to tie break yeah. them because they're both yeah. m- as memorably good. But the difference is I think they use different woods well, too, so they're slightly different flavors. But I'll tell you, Ray's, if it's not the best I've ever had ever, it's top two. Okay. Well, and, and this, and he, like, we went there and it's expensive. Like, you're going to spend money when you go there, but it's because he just charges by the pound. And just slaps a big old pile of shit yeah. on your plate and goes, here's what it is. Yeah. Well, Texas, that's how it is. It's by the pound. In fact, in one of your Instagram pictures, you were with, I don't know if he's your director or producer or whatever, but he had a shirt that said Smitty's Barbecue. Oh, that's uh, Lockhart, David, Texas. our director, yeah. Oh, my God. That place is the shit, too, man. If, if you're by there, go there. But, but Ray's, is, Ray's is amazing, I have man. to check and that out. he has out. Topo Chico there, which is... So he's, he's true he's Texas, like full man. full-on Texas. And so, yeah, if you guys are in L.A. that listen to this... Or if you're visiting LA anytime soon, take the trip to Huntington Park. It's like it's like ten minutes past downtown. It's south of downtown. It's not far from USC if you live if you're in that area. Okay. Um, but it's a little bit south of of, of uh, Los Angeles. 
in, Shout uh, out to Ray. Yeah, what is dude. it? Ray's Barbecue? Ray's Barbecue. Ray, if you see a big Asian dude coming in there, no, that's we're, me. I'll take you. All right. I'll take you. But I, I went there and I was like, this is the only place I will go to eat barbecue in Los uh, Angeles now. Man. It was that good. It's got the big Mexican Fanta bottles that look like a rocket ship. Mexican Coke? Mexican Coke, yeah. Oh, yeah. God damn, dude. And uh, he does some... The cool thing I love about it is he doesn't touch the traditional Texas barbecue at all. Like, there's no Mexican fusion. Yeah. But there's a little bit in his sides, and yeah. it makes his sides stand out yeah. above what most barbecue places are. So yeah. that's where he puts a little bit of Latin flavor into the food, and it really pops. See, I, I was... In Kansas City, man, it's all about like the sauces and stuff. Yeah. Then when I was and in his Tex- sauces are good, yeah. but he serves them without sauce. When I was in Texas. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. They used to say, you know, good barbecue, you know, doesn't need sauce. It's all about the meat and, and the, the smoke smoking and yeah. the smoke. So that shit. Oh man, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it's good. I'd go. I'd go today. But I'm, he closes at like four o'clock. Yeah, I'm, because I'm, he's usually out of shit I, by four. Yeah, I'd probably go and then that fucking lady at El Pollo Loco would be there with her twenty kids. No, this place. Uh, this place was amazing. So yeah, it's that's it's like I said. If it's not the best barbecue I've ever had in my life, it's top two. So yeah, go know. go to Josh's page and look at her Instagram. Yeah, and at look Josh at, Denny on Instagram and look at his uh his picture of this barbecue tray. Holy shit! And you know who wiped out? So we at that Netta. Yeah, it was me, Netta, and then we had a we had a second culinary producer on this last trip, um, who came out a dude named uh, Abel, and uh, he does a lot of like culinary production for Food Network. He works on Food Network Star and. Uh, and uh, guys grocery games and stuff. And he he lives in the area, so when I was like, hey, I'm going to go check out that Rays, and he goes, oh, I live right over there. I've never been there. So he met us there, and thank God he came, because if it were just me and Netta, we wouldn't have been able to eat all I the food. I don't know. Netta, I but swear. she puts she has, it down. She has to have, like, a tapeworm or some shit. I don't know what it is. stomach, because this girl, oh, my she God. Puts, she puts it down, man. And I don't Josh know and I are very... Larger dudes. We're not fat, but we're. I'm fat. We're big bone. You're you're not fat. I'm uh, fat. But, I mean, for an Asian person, you're more. I'm, than I'm a large be. Asian. <laughs> yeah, I'm a large Asian. Even tall. Yeah, I'm a tall. Like, uh, but this this girl, man, she fucking throws down. It's like when you're watching those those uh, food eating contests, and there's that little fucking girl, always the. Japanese yeah. girl. Yeah. And you're like, what the hell? That's, uh, that's Kobe- Netta. That, you're Kobayashi. That's a man, but uh, <laughs> I know they're very hard yeah, to differentiate. 
Yeah, lady boys. No, but uh, yeah, she she kills food. It's it's insanity how much she eats, and she should be my size for as much as she eats. Like we, Abel and I got to a point in that meal where we were just like, we can't possibly eat anymore, and there was still like two sausages left, a whole beef rib, a slice of brisket, uh, three pieces of white bread, and she literally was like, all right, and she ate it all, all mm, of it. Yeah, she ate a whole beef rib by herself, which is like, by the way, two pounds. Yeah. Of beef. Oh, like a beef rib, the it, big one? Yeah. She ate a whole beef rib by herself. <laughs> you know, not the bone. What's yeah. the, but what's the bone weigh? Like half a pound? Yeah, but they're so still, it's still huge. It's still a pound and a half yeah. of just beef meat. And uh, beef meat. <laughs> what am yeah, I saying? She likes but, her beef meat. Yeah, it was crazy. Dude, it was nuts. She, especially barbecue is her favorite food. God damn, I miss it. White bread, though, people. But anyway, white that bread. was the whole reason we got into barbecue in the first place. But the reason you're supposed to have white bread with both barbecue and hot Chicken is to sop up all yes. the juices. Yes, you can't do, that with, juices. can't do that with cornbread. You can't do that with cornbread. No, you can't. So cornbread, I, I like cornbread, but to your point, it's probably more of a southern food thing yeah. than it is a barbecue I'll thing. I'll eat it with like fried chicken and stuff yes. like that, just as its own thing. Have you been to, uh, we did this on the show, Adam and I, but have you been to... Um, uh, it's not Howlin' Ray's. That's the hot chicken. I got to eat there, though. I need to go there, too. But there's another Gus's fried chicken. You know, when I lived in Austin, they opened one. I had it once, and it was pretty good. Yeah, it's a little spicy, but yeah. I like that. But here's my problem. It's just like, I'm fine with Popeye's. Well, they're opening a Gus's here. I heard Burbank, that. So. I heard that. Yeah. Well, yeah Burbank's the hot spot, man. It is, man. I'm not moving out of here. Dude, free parking. If you guys move to L.A., I mean, you're going to be tempted to go to all these other places. Dude, I'm telling you, I'm going to show you Burbank. I'm going to show you this thing right now. There's a there's a house Your I dick? Wanna, no, Put it away. No, dude, My god. That definitely wouldn't be seen. Um I I I want to buy a house in Burbank and it's like I'm looking at these and I'm going, well there's some houses that I could afford to live in. But then there's also the part of me that views buying a house as like a literal investment in the sense where I want to buy a house that I can rent on Airbnb. And then the only time I would ever actually stay in the house is if I had like visitors or I was ho- I wanted to do- throw a party or something. Basically, I would rent it to myself. Yeah. But um, I want to show you this house. These so these are in Toluca Lake, California, and nobody can see what the hell we're looking at. So this is probably no, great this pod. Is, yeah, great radio. Yeah, but who cares? If you're listening to this, your standards are already low enough. <laughs> So, yeah, if you hear the little blue bloop in the background, you're hearing my Apple TV. Saved homes. Here we go. God damn. So they just saved. uh, So obviously I have ones in here that are within my price range, which is like this guy at 1.1. And then you have ones that are, you know, 800,000 or whatever. Um, But then you have these ones where I go, okay, like. 3.2 3.2 million, and by the way, the estimate on this is that it will sell for about two and a half. But these are brand new in Toluca Lake across from the Bob Hope Estate. And then I think, okay, I can't afford this, but if I could afford a down payment on this, could I Airbnb it enough to actually profit from owning this Estim- house? Estimated mortgage with 20% down. The house is the house is 3.3 mil. Right. The but, estimated mortgage but after will, 20% down no, is no, no. 13 but, but that's the estimated mortgage based on the list price, which is 3.2. Yeah. And the estimate is that it will go for around 2.8. It's, so welcome to real estate radio, everybody. It, it, it's a, so that means the it's mortgage... It's a nice house. But, uh, but let me get into it. So the mortgage will probably be somewhere around $8,000 a month, maybe nine. 
Um, and then with your property taxes and with your homeowner's insurance and everything else included, you're probably looking at 10. Jesus right? Christ. So 10000 a month. However, this house, as I flip through, you can see you could rent this place for $2,000 a night. This is a six-bedroom house, wine cellar. Oh, yeah. You totally $2, could. $2,000 a night. So all you really need to do is rent this thing for five nights a month, and it pays your mortgage. Yeah. like Or, or here's what you could do, too. Theater room. From my days, in, from my days in the commercial barbecue. world, like you can rent it out for commercials. Yeah, like a day. Like people used to make like ten thousand. Like in there's this one, one day. There's this one house that's on that one new show with on uh, with like is it Reese Witherspoon? Or oh not? yeah, that uh, HBO show. The HBO uh, show. Big Little Lies. Yeah, there's this house that uh, that she, not her, but the other lady lives in that has like this spiral staircase. It's in like every. I saw it in a NordaTrack commercial. I shot a commercial there, and. Uh, yeah, they run that out for like fifteen grand a day. So my point is, I could put this on a commercial listing site yeah. where I rent this house out for filming, rentals, whatever. Okay, so gr- granted, you might pay the entire year off on one rental for a movie. Yeah, like you could film a horror movie there. Yeah, you could film. You know, uh, you could do this. Could be a set for a TV show or something. But my point is, even through Airbnb, if you rented this house for two thousand a night, this is right across from Warner Brothers. It's ten minutes from Hollywood. Uh, let's say. <laughs> Anybody who doesn't know what fucking Hollywood yeah. traffic is. It's 10 minutes. Uh, but my point is, is you could stock this thing with wine, hire a private chef, and run a real Airbnb or a real bed and breakfast out of this place for two grand a night, and it's a fucking mansion. 3.3. This house... But in, this is not going to sell for 3.3. This it's going to sell for 2.5. And there's an identical one right next door, which I actually This like house more. anywhere else in the United States would sell for $7. No, it's not seven. This would be a million dollar house anywhere or eight hundred thousand dollars. And it's forty eight hundred square feet. It's beautiful. But they're gorgeous houses. Right. I like this one more than the other one. Uh, This one just it's got different kinds of wood. It's homier. It's it is a little homier. Yeah. Um, Great. A little less. Great podcasting here. Yeah. Great podcast. But, you know, yeah, f- f- who cares? <laughs> Welcome into our world. And I know people are going to email me like, oh, you're making TV money now. You're talking about buying houses. But I'm seeing this as a business investment. Josh is a very business-minded guy. Yeah, I'm, st- I'm if thinking. If you guys don't know him. I'm looking at this going, how could I take a couple hundred thousand dollars? I'm Asian, and he's he's better at numbers than most of Asians I know. Yeah, like I, I'm thinking, how could I take a couple hundred thousand dollars and turn it into a million? And I'm looking at it like this. And by the way, at the end of it, you come out at the end of this owning that house yeah. in in five years. Yeah. You know what I mean? Unless if you're renting it, like you said, for film production and location agreements, you could make ten grand a day. So let's say a show that runs for uh, I don't know, production runs twelve weeks, thirteen weeks. And you're renting it out for a thousand, like, even if it's what you said, ten thousand a day. The 10, house is 10, paid off. Yeah, the house is paid off with one film production or one TV show. Yeah. So you know that's the thing. I, I don't understand why but people don't do that kind because, of stuff. Because because you got to have the money first. You got to have the money. The, down. the rich get richer. You got to have the six hundred thousand to put on this thing for I a thirty-year fixed. Mortgage. I got eighty dollars in my bank account. I can't even like today's. Lunch was a challenge. Well, you know, I had to suck some dick. <laughs> no, you didn't. But if I uh, just a hand job. Yeah, 
I was like, I can tell by the look on your face. You have you're laughing and smiling. You, if you had to suck your first dick today, you'd be in a far shittier mood. And if you were, would I though? If, what if, what you, what if it tasted like Skittles? Well, if you're in this great of a mood, then I, you need to line them up for me because it sounds like a great time. You come back and I'm just like fat because I've been eating a lot of El Pollo because I'm like. Suck a dick first. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> nothing against dick suckers. Yeah, by the way, that's a huge demographic for me. So let's make sure not to offend them. But my Speaking, point, my yeah. point is, is yeah, I would, I would love to be able to invest. Like that's all I'm looking at. I'm paying my bills with this money, trying to get my credit right, and then I would just invest in. Just something don't get like house this. poor, man. Well, I don't live in. I would have to keep my apartment because I would never live in this damn thing. But if you watch like Million Dollar Listing or what any of those real estate shows. There was one recently where the dude was, uh, they were trying to sell his million dollar house and he kept renting it for like 60 grand yeah. a month. And, th- and they were like, well, we can't sell it if you keep renting it. And he's like, well, I'm not going to not rent it. I need the money. He was living, he was a uh, former actor or something, but he's not very big now. And he's like living off of, uh, off of the, the income from the house. That's my thing. If I can make enough money to get into something like that and then use that as a means of an income, then I could never work again and still be okay. Yeah. And then the next trick is then you get the house next door to it yeah. and you have two of them banging side by side. Yeah. So, and then you connect it with the underground tunnel. Yeah, I mean, I don't, And then it's like the Viet Cong again. I was like, of course you're going to take it to an Asian place. Why do you always got to do that? So we'll, we'll take a break. Thanks for bearing through real estate talk. When we come back after this, I want to talk comedy because that's, that's one of the things you've been cranking on about. And I haven't talked to any comedy with our listeners for a long time. So let's, we'll get into comedy shop <laughs> nothing talk Nothing better than this. two comics talking about comedy. Hey, you know what? <laughs> there will be nothing funny. It'll be all anger. One of these days, they're going to start making podcasts about stand-up comedy. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And, and they're going to be very popular. We could be the first one. I think we are. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? We should name. I know. All right. We should start a network that's essentially just talking about all things comedy. But we, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we should think of a clever name. Like, yeah, like all uh, things comedy. That's a. <laughs> this would actually there be even funnier if we were on their Trade, network. Yeah, we're not on their network. And now you'd probably be banned from. I'm, yeah, I'm probably I'm, I'm probably violating copyright agreements. <laughs> all right, break time. Yeah. So. Uh, there's been this is one of the things that's kind of happened while I've been filming and while I've been on the road is Netflix started this thing where they're dropping a comedy special every week which is huge when you think about it for comics because but is it good or bad well I'm not saying it's good I'm not saying I'm not talking about the specials themselves okay but I'm saying for comedy that's good that creates a market of 52 sales a year just to one customer just to Netflix yeah. Like, if you look historically, I don't know if HBO would have done 52 specials over a decade. No, but it's also what kind of made it so special when one did come out. Yes, like, that's true. You know, oh, shit, they haven't had a solid comedy special for, like, 
six months. But it's sort of like I will. I'll, now, now it's like oh, it's just. But like, I'll use this argument. <laughs> There's been fast food burger places on every street corner for the last fifty years, right? Yeah. But gastro pubs with high end burgers is one of the highest trending uh, investments. One of the highest trending like restaurant. Uh, one of the one of the fastest growing restaurant trends. I don't know why I'm not talking correctly. I took two Alpha Brain today, um, but <laughs> I think that got me wired, dude. Did I know it's good, right? That I'm telling the, you, they really work. That or the cocaine I did. All know, right, uh, that's a lie. That's not cocaine, by the way. That's Lysol, <laughs> and if that is true, I, I do feel lemony. Lemony, yeah. yeah. It's you're gonna feel lemony, and then your your blood will stop pumping in about five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, back back to comedy. Yeah, so I, I first of all, I think I, I think that's a great thing. Yes, yeah, so a tre- a trend that has happened because people were sick of fast food burgers is these these higher end um, burger chains like Umami or Stout, where they're making a higher quality burger at a higher price point because there are people who are sick of the shittier ones who are willing to pay a little bit more for a better experience. That is what's going to happen with comedy. Because I will... Because there's a lot of, I will say, right now, because of this boom, you're getting McDonald's and Carl's Jr. every goddamn week. But occasionally, you get the fucking Dave Chappelle special that comes out. And you go, I'd pay more for this. Right. Like, I was going to say, back to your gastropub, it's like, suddenly you got, like, Applebee's and all those kind of places. Suddenly, like, oh, well, we can get into that game. Now I go to Applebee's or even IHOP. A burger costs ten bucks. McDonald's has McDonald's burgers has like that are like seven nine, or eight nine bucks, nine or right? ten dollar burgers. Yeah, yeah. Carl's Jr. was it's, the first one through the door when they said the, the, they were going to do the six dollar burger. Yeah, which was the like thick burger, the whatever. Thick burgers, so, yeah. but that's what is that? What comedy's stand up specials are going to be? Yes, now? but you have to oversaturate with shit before the market tells you I want better shit. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah, that like makes McDonald's sense. isn't making big. You know, steakhouse burgers and Carl's Jr. wasn't making steakhouse burgers. They also know where they are now. Like, they kind of scaled back. Well, I think, and and here's what's going to happen you need the McDonald's of comedy to happen before you get the Carl's Jr. and and, and then even further the umami burger of comedy because uh, you're you're not going to have, like, you have to have that growth by comparison. Right. You know what I mean? So, like, when McDonald's came out, people were like, this is amazing. They thought it tasted amazing, and yeah. it still does. It's the By shit. the way, I'm the jack-in-the-box of comedy. Yes, we know that. I actually thought you were the... Uh, Yoshin. The, uh, what, what is that Asian? Yoshin Joji Noya? Bee? Oh, jo- Jolly Bee? Yeah, Jolly Bee. <laughs> That's Filipino. Yeah. Oh, is yeah, it Filipino? All I know is that they Asian. serve hot dogs with their egg platters. They do. Oh, and I'm just man. like, what it's, is this? It's interesting. You're the Jolly Bee of comedy. So my point is, we're in the McDonald's phase now where... We, we're at a point where you're getting comedy at, in every platform. You're getting it weekly, et cetera, et cetera. And then what's going to happen is as the Dave Chappelle specials come out, then the, you're going to see these networks pull back and go, we need to make sure that they're all kind of this good or else we're going to be the McDonald's of comedy. CISO! <laughs> and then... Um, <coughs> I, that was a horrible... Ma- yeah. <coughs> CISO is a place where if you've been doing comedy for three to five years and you one time did a podcast that got a million downloads, you get a special. Um, but yeah, like back in the day, even remember back in the day, like the 10 comics that got a Presents was a big deal. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. And, and now it's like the Presents is not even relevant no. because the Presents happens once a year. Yeah. They run it for 10 weeks. And then in the middle of the night, nobody sees it. Yeah. And then now, like, to have that weekly Netflix special is huge. 
Well, that's like Chris Rock said that a special was a special. It yes. was a, an event. Well, and, and I think you're seeing with like Amy Schumer's special, you're seeing the problem with forcing it out every 12 months, even when it's not ready. Yeah. Like she had a couple of loose premises and turned that into an hour of dog shit comedy. <laughs> Yeah. And then, you know, everyone's just like, oh, this is, that's Amy, that's what she does. And then it does horrible. And now we're hearing these conspiracy theories of the alt-right plan to rate it shitty. And then, uh, and so much to the point now where they're going to change the rating system. Is that true? I wasn't well, sure well, if that was true or was that just like I, a, I don't someone, know. an onion I, I, I don't know if that's true or not, but I hope they don't. Well, here, here's the problem. But I tell you what, I, I'm not a member of the alt right, but I rated it one star because I couldn't finish it. Like when you're t when you're 13 years into comedy, right. she's been doing it three years longer than me. When you're 13 years into comedy and you're doing a 12 minute chunk on your pussy stank, and you're not on Comic View, get the fuck <laughs> out of here, man. Well, it, it, here's the thing. How are you marching in the streets for women's <laughs> rights and doing 12 minutes on stanky pussy? Well, that's the argument that it's her choice to talk about that, right? That's great. That, that's but make it interesting here, and make it yeah. Here's the, make it interesting and make it funny here, here, and make it compelling. Here, here's here's the problem: is that she's already done that, right? Speaking of, uh, no, stank. no, no, no. I'm kidding. Uh, here's the, here's the no, problem: it just it's, walked in. Tony thought he'd make an ill-timed joke about pussy poor, stank. Poor joke. Hi, Netta. Not her. <laughs> I was talking about myself. Uh, here's the problem is that she's already done that, you know? Yeah. And she's, she, from that last special to now, it's like she hasn't, it doesn't seem like she's evolved, her comedy-wise, but she almost hasn't had to because she immediately goes out and sells out arenas. And so that's kind of the problem when you get to that level is that everyone laughs at everything you do and you're selling that so you're just like oh well it's well it's money in a bank and that's the point and that's the, the, the point, point where she, she sold that special yeah. and therefore had to make it it yeah. wasn't like she's like i got an hour of great shit i want right. to do a special they said amy we want to buy specials from you and she said okay i'll take your money and she she did start talking about like some serious stuff i was telling you like the, the, she started talking about gun control yeah and it kind of got a little kind of ooh and then she shied away and she went back to of it, went yeah. back to what so, I mean... Which tells you that the gun control bit that she had prepared wasn't ready, didn't exist, or she's not, she's not practiced it enough yeah. to be confident in trudging through. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I know people can say it's unfair that she's getting targeted, but when you're that big, you got to take the blows, man. Well, I mean, I mean too, Bill Burr. Like, Bill Burr. His Bill last Burr's special. Bill's special was... was uh, Mediocre? We told you, we, we agreed... Yeah. That Bill's last special felt tainted by doing comedy in the LA scene. Yes. Where it was like, I almost felt like Forced he's had to outs, apologize right? for his point of view so goddamn much that it's starting to show in, in his comedy. I almost, I felt, I didn't feel that. I felt like people just, like fellow comics just adore him so much that it's just like, oh, everything he does is great. And so when you well, go you're out there, starting, you're starting to see the Kanye West effect happen with comedians, where there are comedians that are so be beholden and so worshipped, and you can name the four or five of them right now: Amy Schumer, Gerard Carmichael, uh, Louis C.K. Not Chappelle, uh, Louis C.K. Bill Burr, and and I would say, yeah, I mean, I guess Chappelle's that way. The difference is, I feel like Gerard on this newest special 
totally took a next step. I I agree. I thought it was great. I agree. I'm not a like I'm not a Gerard fan. Like his comedy. Like yeah. he's a nice. I met him one time. He was a very nice guy. But I like him as a person, and I like his comedy. But like his comedy. I mean his his first Spike Lee special. It it put me to sleep. I had to watch it like four different times because yeah. I fell asleep. Well, and some of that is his delivery too. Like yeah. Stephen Wright is a great writer, but if I hear his voice for more than ten minutes, right. I'm going to fall asleep. Right. But like his first special, I just felt like it felt unfinished. His jokes, and this one was like I said, it evolved. And I was like, wow. I do like where he's going though. I and I feel like he's kind of. I feel like definitely, on the Spike Lee special at the Comedy Store, he dipped his toe in the pool. I feel like. On this special, he kind of put the whole foot in, and I feel like the next special he does, he's got to dive in head first. Two, I don't know, black people don't swim. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but I gotta say, like what I feel, where I feel like he's going is he's he is unapologetically um, not black in the cool, popular ways to be black, yeah. and I feel like you're seeing more and more of that in his personality or of his personality in his standup. As the specials progress, but he's also got. I but think, there's also pressure on him to be pressure, the voice for new, you know. But he's gotten a lot of flack from from the black community, from stuff I've seen on Facebook. I yeah. don't want to speak for it, but but just for kind of looking at black culture from almost like white eyes, white perspective. I, but I think that's what makes him so unique, and I think that's what makes him. That's where I, if he continues on that path. He will be good. Yeah, and he—I mean, he'll be like well, legendary. He's, he's level challenging. Good. Yes, challenging. Well, and, challenging. and I, but I do think there is a level of like my stepfather figure was like that, and and I've heard people call Gerard coonish because they think he's being like essentially playing to selling out yeah. black culture for white, uh, yeah, for like white acceptance. Yeah, but um, but I don't think it's I don't think it's that. I think it is genuine, and I think what you're seeing is. And and I've I've always had black friends in my life who have looked at culture this way to say like maybe some of the things that we hold on to as part of black culture are are what's holding us back and not allowing us to move forward and and whether or not Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky Lucky in line at the deli I guess Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That's what Gerard is doing. I think the fact that he's starting or trying to start to examine that in his comedy is intelligent and it's super fucking brave because of the shit he gets from black right. comics and black the right. black comedy community. Right. Right. But he's willing to say, like, listen, maybe there are some parts of black culture that we shouldn't be holding on to. Like his whole bit about, like, I'm trying to be a better black person, yeah. but I just can't because of X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And, you know, but then there's also areas where he's like, oh, where he's sort of jumped it the other way because he's like... Um, uh, he's like, I like Jay-Z way more than Martin Luther King. Right. Which is something that a black person would never admit to, but is probably true for most of the black people right. in our generation. Right. So those are the things I felt that like I it is, cool. is what Chris Rock would write, just a different delivery. Yes, you know? it is. Now, now but, with, he, but I think his willingness to examine and to go there is what makes him a unique voice in yeah. comedy, and particularly in black comedy, which is I find him interesting. And I love that 
Bo Burnham directed that special. Yes. I love that it sort of started like it was already happening, yeah. and it ended like it was going to continue. Yeah, after like the it was just. Rolled. It should be a continuous. I mean, as a full special, as a piece of art, it was incredible. Bo Burnham's special, Make Happy, was one one of my favorites on yeah, Netflix. What, what and Make Happy are two of I think the best specials of all time. And then Mike Birbiglia's new special that was, was great. great. You guys yeah. should watch. Yeah, that. Yeah, I don't want to sound negative. I don't want to be like everything sucks. But those yeah. those are the ones. Like if I. If I watch comedy and I think two things, like one, they made it look easy, which I think oftentimes is necessary for guys like us because when you're doing this shit for so long, you tend to overcomplicate your process. And, you, you know, there are times when you'll, you'll come to me and be like, you, that, you made that bit look easy. It's brand new. Um, but even in my own head, I'm like, yeah, but I've been working on that idea for a year. So right. Like six months. They're just trying to flush it out in my mind. Yeah. So when I watch things like that, I'm like, oh, yeah, they're not using a lot of words. They're just sort of like speaking candidly. And then they're they're trying to give you left turns where you may not see them coming. So, yeah. And then there's guys like Birbiglia who just have a good sense of humor and can kind of do more of like He's a... so good at storytelling. Story. Like, I'm normally not... A bit Rabiglius stand. I don't hate him or anything. He's yeah. just I don't think about him. Well, yeah. But, but when I watched it, I was like, God damn, this dude is really fucking good. He's a good storyteller in his in his element. You know, it's well, and even to have the ability to like start a story, go off down like a tangent on on something, and then come back to the story is impressive to me. Like his ability to talk about the story about getting ready with his wife and her being late, and then spend ten minutes on late people. And then come back to the story, yeah. like that's that's yeah. incredible to me because to I can't I can never maintain a coherent uh, sort of story throughout an hour long set. Yeah, what's the special? The what's it called? Thank God for jokes. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. And then people his, watch his, that one. And his other one, um, my uh, girlfriend's my, girl? yeah, my girlfriend's boyfriend. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, yeah, so all of his his are more like one man shows, one man shows, which have that vibe. And and I and it's made me think like one of the things I thought was kind of interesting about Bill Burr's last special was I heard him talking on Joe Rogan's podcast about it, and he was talking about like the thought process that goes behind it, and he's almost trying to go to like this retro feel where um, he's trying to create an energy and an environment that feels really live and really real for the special. And I go the other way with it where I'm like, yeah, but what's the difference between watching a special and a live comedy show? There are things you can do in editing that you can't do in a live show. So that's I want to go the other direction with it when I do mine, where there will be cuts and things in and out that you could never do unless you were filming. Right. Right. So I want to be able to do a bit and then cut to something that relates to the bit and then cut back into the bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Ch- I thought Chelsea Peretti kind of did that a little bit with hers. I didn't watch her special. But it wasn't um, it wasn't all the way like yeah. that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, now, to be fair to Bill, I've listened to, on him do interviews prior to even seeing it. Like, and he was just saying that, you know, he wanted to do different things. Uh-huh. You know, because he, he's seen like Pryor Evolve or Carlin Evolve. And he was like, all right. Well, maybe I should dabble in here and just challenge myself. And so I have to respect him for that. You know, he's still one of my all-time favorites. Uh, I just didn't like the special as much. It just kind of, like you said, it felt forced. Well, like when it, he's I laying down. It, I don't think it felt forced. I think it felt uh, cha- I, th- I think it felt handcuffed. Yeah. Like I, And I don't know about you, but I felt like walk, watching through it, 
he was apologizing for jokes or basically telling the audience to calm the fuck down before he even told the joke. Yeah. And it's like that when I say it felt tainted, disclaimers, it felt it tainted by the LA yeah. scene. That's what I mean. Yeah. Where it's just like, wanna, you know, he's like, don't go home and blog about this. And I'm about you. to say, don't yeah. even acknowledge that. I tell people this all the time. One of the things that drives me nuts at the darkest hour is before Charles goes on and hosts, one of the club owners will uh, announce the show and introduce the audience and introduce Charles as the host. But sometimes when they go up Shout and out do to it, Charles. yeah, Charles Disney. Uh, sometimes when they do it, they over, they oversell the concept of the darkest hour. Yeah, and they'll be like, "This is going to be the most offensive, darkest, edgiest, creepiest." mean and it's like no it's not yeah you don't know it's going to be any of those things because we call it the darkest hour so that the concept is open to the interpretation of the artist so for tony baker the darkest thing he could come up with was just telling a story about one time when he caught one of his mom's boyfriends doing drugs right and then there's another comic who's like let me tell you about the day my dad killed himself yeah. so there are these things there's a gamut there yeah. don't tell the audience that we're going to go up and do two hours yeah. of of throat slitting neck fuck material yeah and that's never gonna come yeah. so like when you oversell that people are gonna be offended guess what they sit there waiting to be offended right or some of the comics that aren't comfortable doing that they try to force it and it just comes off bad. yeah and yeah that's the some comics are just it. good being funny in their act and that's fine you let people just do that on their show but too. but dark is open to interpretation yeah. i don't want the show to become a a shock value driven show right. because to me the difference between dark and dirty is dark is attached to a personal experience or a personal point of view right not not dirty for the sake of being dirty yeah. or dirty so there is an artistic yeah. integrity to it and i feel like you know i constantly have to tell comics like yeah this isn't a dirty show yeah. this is a dark show i want you to come with personal shit i don't want you to come up here and just say the filthiest stuff that comes to yeah. mind so speaking of uh unexpected like so Chappelle's shit shit come out and i think people were kind of people got offended from what i read really yeah, I read that a lot of people were offended by his special because he did a lot of stuff on gay like, people. Gay people, and I don't know if he did stuff on feminism. Did he do feminist stuff? I don't remember. He don't did remember. some stuff on women. He did a lot on transgender being transgendered. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he did a lot of stuff about gay people. Yeah. Um. I like the first one better than the second one. Which yeah. you actually say the second one is older. Yeah, he was. He did it in Austin. I lived in Austin, and I think he came through because I went to that. I didn't go to that particular show, but I went to that run that he did that week. Okay, and saw pretty much kind of the same. The spe- act. That basically yeah. that special. Yeah, uh, so that was like maybe two, three years ago. Uh huh. Maybe two, uh, and so then the latest one I think he just did this past year in L.A. or if not the end of last year because I remember the Palladium one tickets were was on like sale. October yeah. of last year because. Uh, I got invited to go to that. Oh, you did? Yeah, and I was I was filming. Oh, I didn't get invited to that, so oh. I stayed at home. But uh, no, nah, I. But it came out awesome. Yeah, I thought it was great. I thought it was classic Chappelle, and uh, one of the things that got picked up on was people saying that he was like hurt that Key and Peele did his show, and it's like I don't think he's hurt. I think yeah. I think he's just sort of annoyed at the fact that. 
basically he had to lay the lay the groundwork for yeah that. that's what he said on his cbs interview yeah that, he's like i laid the groundwork for that and yeah. i used to have to fight tooth and nail to get sketches on the air yeah and he goes it just feels and, like and he created he basically was able to create that open format that kim peele and probably amy schumer had now you know but the capitalist in me is like dude you walked away he did you didn't have to stop that was his choice nobody told you to stop doing the show yeah yeah, he broke down the door of us. Like, so everyone that goes through that door now has to give him credit. Have you ever listened to... I'd love to get him on the podcast sometime. Dave Chappelle? No, have you ever listened to Neil Brennan on Joe Rogan talk about how that whole thing happened? Uh, yeah, about the, about the basically sketch how the, that he was ba- doing? Well, no, no, about basically how the network dro- drove them apart and tried to play them against oh, each other. No. And they basically got in... Da- like, I, I don't want to do a podcast about another podcast. So go back and listen if you like are interested in that story. There's a there's a Neil Brennan episode of the Joe Rogan Experience from about a year or two ago, maybe three years ago now. But Neil goes on and basically walks you through that whole thing, how the show came to be, how the show ended up not working out, and basically that the network tried to make Dave feel like Neil was another white guy trying to take his money, oh. and basically preying on this aspect of. Of Dave's personality, and I think of black people in entertainment feeling like there's this exploitative um, underlying narrative for everything. Right. Everyone's trying to pimp you, everyone's trying to exploit you. And they made him feel that way about Neil, and that's what caused the whole show to fall apart. Yeah. And, and there was a financial difference because they were trying to pay Neil. Like you hear, always hear about the 50 million they offered Dave, they offered Neil, like, here's your 500 grand. Uh, I don't remember what the amount was, but it's he's. I think he says the specific numbers, wow. and he was like, "Listen, I don't need to make that much, but like, I can't get completely fucked on something I co-created." So, so Neil, on one hand, Neil's just like, "I'm getting screwed." Neil's then, like, "Neil's like, buddy, we're friends. Like, if you tell them that they have to pay me this, they will." Yeah. And Dave would just like, "Fuck you." Yeah. I'm the show. Oh, really? Yeah, they yeah. Got like that? Yeah, it got that. But that's because the guys and Neil was like, they didn't, you know, they didn't. Uh, that's... Neil was like that wasn't in Dave by himself that they sort of fanned the flames of that yeah. you know saying like oh this guy's trying to get a piece of your action yeah you know so it's one of those things where it's just uh... and they made it racial they made it racial they made it be like this white guy's trying to pimp you and take your money mm. and it and it unfortunately worked and that was a big part of you know what happened now granted that's neil's perspective i'm regurgitating neil's perspective right. and if you want the real story i would go back and listen to that podcast welcome to march of the pigs the podcast that tells you about other podcasts <laughs> <laughs> what other podcasts can we talk about yeah what are some of your favorite po- welcome to the podcast podcast everybody <laughs> where we talk about your favorite podcast talk about your favorite during podcast. our podcast yeah um <laughs> And there's also a little bit of real estate and a fraction of some food. <laughs> it's just, there's, listen, if you think there's a structured format to this show, after, you're still listening. We've done maybe I think close to uh maybe a close to a hundred episodes now. Wow. So, um, but I got a pretty full schedule coming up. I'm gonna be, uh, let's see, I should pull this up. We're gonna be in Las Vegas starting in a couple days. Um, we're going to, um. Uh, God, let me find this. I'll just edit out. Okay, so we're going to be at Rolling Smoke Barbecue in Las Vegas on the 30th, Truffles and Bacon Cafe uh, March 31st, and then on April 1st we're going to be at Lavo in Las Vegas, which is actually a nightclub, but I guess they do some kind of giant dessert. So oh, yeah. we're going to be at that place. That should be right for a lot of dumb stuff. 
Uh, then we move on to Phoenix, and we're doing Chompies and Tempe on the 3rd, uh, April 4th, El Palacio Mexican Restaurant. I think that's in Chandler. And then we're doing Porkopolis in Scottsdale. Uh, by the way, I love that name. Porkopolis. Porkopolis Barbecue. That's pretty sweet. April 5th. Then April 7th, Lindy's on 4th in Tucson. April 8th, uh, Boca Tacos in Tucson. And then April 9th, Stray Dogs in Tucson. Then I'll be back in Los Angeles April 14th at uh, MI's Westside Comedy Theater for The Darkest Hour. And April 16th, I will be at Flappers in Burbank doing a show in the small room uh, with Darren Capozzi. When are you going to have some Asian restaurants on your show? You racist? We actually, well, you first, whitewashing first of, of the all, food we went to a place world? called The Black Sheep, which will be in that the sounds very Asian. Jacksonville episode where it's actually a lot of Asian food in the cooking. We had a, a duck bon mi. That's you showed me the picture. Yeah, so, so that's that. That you've been thwarted, Tony. Ben. I'm talking about like a real Asian place. Yeah, like a full I on. Need, yeah, when you. Well, I did do. I submitted. When you're like, I don't know what I'm eating, but I'm gonna eat it. I submitted a bunch of uh, pho, uh, pho places. Is that how you say it? These yeah. places do these giant bowls yeah. of pho. The problem is a bowl of pho, no matter how spectacular and large. It just doesn't look good on camera. It's a fucking bowl of shit. A soup? A soup. A cauldron of for, soup? Yes, a cauldron of soup does not make for good television. So you can't just be like, here's my here's my soup thing. Uh, th- so I get vetoed on all of those. So yeah, I mean, like, we'll go. Listen, if somebody wants to make a 22-pound egg roll, we'll fucking be there. But that's kind of what it's going to All my take. Asian people, make this guy a giant wonton. Yeah, a big wonton, a big egg roll. I mean, something like that. We'll, and Our we'll people go. need to represent. Well, we haven't really been to very sort of... like obviously, on season one. Yeah, I mean, so obviously, San Francisco, there'll be a lot of Asian food. Like, we'll probably do a giant sushi or a giant uh, burrito or a giant sushi burrito. Um, you know, if we get to those cities. But we've obviously got to be in places where there's heavy, heavy Asian culinary influence. And we really haven't yet. I mean, you got to think season one, Philadelphia, Baltimore, Richmond, Virginia, yeah. not known for their Asian food. Then you had Louisville, Nashville, Cincinnati, not known for their Asian food. And then so far in season two, we've done Atlanta, uh, Columbia, South Carolina, Charleston, South Carolina, and Jacksonville, Florida. Again, not very known for no. their Asian food. You need so- to go down to Houston or Orange yeah, County. Yeah, Houston will be in there. Yeah, Seattle. Orange County. Yeah. Uh, San Diego, Sorry. San I'm Francisco. Just, I'm just sensitive right now because yeah. I was I started watching Grey's Anatomy. And, yeah, tell uh, me about that. I've had insomnia lately, so I've been searching for a million things to watch on uh, Netflix. And I've turned into like my my mom because she watches a lot of like, these Korean. I'm not even Korean. We're Vietnamese, but isn't it? Yeah, but, I think you said that. But yeah, she watches all these but, Korean. But she watches a lot of these Korean movies, and so I started watching them on Netflix, and so now. The recommendation list on Netflix is always these like Korean shows and stuff, and there's been some great movies like uh, Train to Busan was one, uh, Old Boys a classic, yeah, and, yeah, and there's some other ones. But then I watched all those, got tired of those, and then Grey's Anatomy for some reason popped on, so I started watching Grey's Anatomy like 15 years too late. But I started watching, and it's like I started getting pissed off because because uh, in the first episode. I should do my own podcast of me going through and every watching season of Grey's. Oh yeah, uh, Tony's Tony Vin first, watches Grey's first episode. Grey throws her Asian friend under the bus for a surgery. Like 
she promised she could have a surgery. She throws her on the bus and takes a surgery herself. Second episode, there was an Asian doctor that was like in charge of the the infants, newborns. Gray comes up there and fucking like takes poaches one of her patients because she diagnosed her differently. Well, I think. And then in the third episode, she says, "I don't like Chinese food." Fuck that shit. She's fucking racist, dude. Yeah, well, I, I think you forget that Grey's Anatomy is a show designed for white American women. <laughs> and the last thing that white American women give a shit about are Asian people. <laughs> That's especially Asian I'm, men. I'm telling you, man. You guys are the I'm telling you. You guys are the and forgotten. They're in, <laughs> they're in Seattle. You don't tell me there's not gonna be any they're the only Asian patients I've seen so far. Granted, I'm only three episodes in. There's like these two two Chinese women. Who were like here illegally, so they couldn't go into the, the. They didn't want to go into the hospital, so they had to get operated on by the dumpsters. Isn't it funny? Some um, bullshit. Isn't it funny? How Whitewashing. Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, uh, we're gonna. You act like we're not gonna go see that movie. Though. It does look pretty bad. Yeah, we're. Gonna, I'm definitely gonna go see. Is that out right now? I don't know. No, I think it comes out like a couple of weeks. Yeah, I definitely. I have go more see of a problem. I have less of a problem with them ca- not casting her an Asian person. More of them just casting a woman in the lead. I'm kidding. Kidding. Completely joke. Well, the qu- here's the problem, though. It, it looks it, badass. It's, it's, not even, it's not even necessarily a casting thing. Show me an Asian actress that they've broken um, who could have played that part, who's, like, age-appropriate. That's the, pr- that's the troublesome thing is, like, you know, there's not a there's not a big enough focus on it. I I totally well, think so. Well, I mean, and this is the one thing I'll say. Fresh off the boat is like one of the best shows on television it right is. now. It is. It's really well written. It's super funny. But the, the crazy thing is, is like, where what else is the girl who plays Jessica doing? Like nothing. Yeah. Here here's the thing. It's and, like and it's like who who else do you have that's not Lucy Liu or um. Well, it's like, it's, but and Lucy Liu's of a certain age, and then Maggie Q is of a certain age now too. What are they like? They're all in their forties. Yeah. So they can do more of the dramatic I mean, roles, but like action wise, who do you have? Jamie Chung. I see. I don't even know who that is. Oh, Jamie Chung's awesome. See, here's 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 a problem, and I get it. But there's you know? there isn't a lot of. I, I I I get it because yes, I I am too angry that you know it's like because the character, I don't even think there's any Asian people. In Ghost in the Show, other than the ones that get killed, like because they're extras, could have put bread face. Like, she even been the ghost the <laughs> even show. her mom was like some white lady actor, but I also get it too because it's like problem with Fresh Off the Boat is that yes, a lot of Asian people watch it. I asked all my white friends, no one watches. It. Really, I asked my black friends, no one watches it. You know, and so. I get why Hollywood does that because honestly, it's There's like just not a market. The Great Wall. If you didn't put Matt Damon in there, no one's gonna go see it. Other well, than maybe even... like the Asian market. Yeah. But you know, I I honestly did go because it's a terrible movie, but I went because I like Matt Damon movies. Yeah. You know? And so you got Scarlett Johansson, she's gonna draw versus if you got an unknown who may be famous in in Asian culture, but if you have yeah, well she's gorgeous. Yeah. But if you had her, people might might just like be like, eh, I'm not gonna go see that. Yeah, and that's the problem. That is the problem, and that needs to change as oh, far as like in, she was in Office Christmas Party. Unfortunately, that needs to change by getting more Asians in those lead roles. Yes. However, right now when they throw all that money towards the movie to make it, they want a sure thing. Well, and... it's a, it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy too. Yeah. Oh, and this is probably why she couldn't do it. She's doing the show Gotham now. I didn't realize. 
Uh, and then she did Once Upon a Time. And then she, yeah, so this girl's deal was she was on The Real World. And she then, was on The Real World? Yeah, I, dro- I drove her on Uber one time. She was, uh, she's on The Real World and, um, and then actually broke into real acting. She's uh, one of the few people to have actually come from a reality she's good? show. Yeah, she's great. She was in, I mean, dude, look at her IMDb. It's huge. I mean, this is, this is all television. Like, just keep going. Man, it's massive. So, wow. yeah, she did, um, she does a lot of, like, voiceover. So she was uh, on The Real World for 28 episodes. Wow, that was back when they did a full 28-episode season. Um, and then she did Real World Road Rules Challenge, which I think you're actually obligated uh, to do. I remember her. And now. then she was on Attack of the Show a couple times. Um, let me see. I remember her now. I remember watching her on Real World and thinking, why did they, they just have a white girl? So she got into three years after she did Real World. She did uh, <laughs> Days of Our Lives for ten episodes. Then she did a show called Samurai Girl. Racist. Hmm. She did that show Believe. With uh, is I think that was with Hayden Panettiere for thirteen episodes. Then she did Resident Advisors. I don't know if you watch that on Hulu, but no. that was a funny show. Then she did Once Upon a Time, where she played Damn, Mulan. So she's working her butt off. Yeah, and then Gotham. She did a six episode run. Um, let's see, Big Hero Six. She uh, the series did a voice for that. That doesn't come out for another two years. That's kind of Asian. And then movie-wise, I mean, dude, she did, uh, she was in I Now Pronounce You Chuck and Larry. She did uh, Dragon Ball Evolution. She did Sorority Row. She did Burning Palms, Grown Ups. This is as she exciting was in mo- as you talk about real estate. She was in that movie Sucker Punch. Uh, she was in The Hangover Part 2. Uh, yeah, she's been in The Hangover Part 3. Um, yeah, she's been in it. She was in a Sin City movie. Yeah, she's been in a ton of shit. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but it's like, but would 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 she be a box office hit? That's but that but that's the problem. Is like, that's dude, like go through these. They're all ensembles. Yeah, you know. So there's not, you know. But that's the thing. Is like, uh, I do think the money will be there for these roles because of what that that billionaire Chinese guy who created this fucking is he Japanese or Chinese. You know what I'm talking about? Who wanted to come in and buy like three of the major studios in America? Um, I'm hey. trying to think. See the guy that owns the. Uh... Oh, it's like Way something. Um, but he's it's, like he's like one of the richest guys that he owns, like the richest Chinese. He owns the most. Uh, God damn it. This is going to drive me nuts. Wanda Studios. That's the one I'm thinking of. Wang Jianlin uh, makes a great... Yeah, he's a he's like one of the richest people on Earth. And uh, let me look this up. I mean, Wanda Chinese people have some money, studio. man. Yeah, when, China has money that makes America look poor. People don't realize. It's crazy, um, man. Yeah, Wang Junlin unveils eight billion dollar Qingdao studio um, in China. It's like, uh, and he says he vows not to compete with Hollywood. Essentially, that he has a studio that could steal everything away from Hollywood. Like this is the thing that people don't understand. But uh, the, all your Marvel movies and shit are going to be filmed in China in the yeah. next five years. Dude, uh, but he's also buying up tons of Hollywood shit too. Like he's. This guy essentially is going to own the film industry in 10 years um, in t- just outright. 
and Wanda Studio. So, like, that's the thing of, you know, the question is, is this guy, Wang John Lin, and I haven't listened to any of his his opinions on filmmaking or anything else, but they're going to have to commit to breaking Asian stars into film um, and saying, like, look, if, we, if we're going to have to create content. Yeah. And the amazing thing is, is when you look at anime, there's been this, this is this huge entity, billion dollar entity of, of Japanese and Chinese culture in film, mm-hmm. but it doesn't involve any live action stuff. So as that stuff starts to migrate to live action, that's where they're going to have to make the commitment to say, we're going to find incredible Asian actors and actresses who can play these parts. Yeah. I mean, but, and it's just, it'll just take time. I yeah. mean, there's a, there's incredible, like, well, the the movie industry started yeah. essentially in the United States. Yeah. So it's an American first industry. So it's I mean, gonna take it is gonna take time. I mean, Look black at, black people and Latina, more black people are just now getting their just due, and you know, Latin the, the thing with like Latino. Well, I would it, argue that the best black films of all time were in the early nineties. Yeah, like, that yeah, was the best yeah. Time but for black but, but from then to now, you know, is like okay. Okay, now they're kind of getting their props and everything, and then Latinos are are kind of on the outer edge because they they said fuck it, we're gonna go do our own shit, you know. Well, there and there is a degree of like, but they're also accepted in the mainstream now. Uh, yeah, and that's I think where it gets muddy because people want to say like, well, Eddie Murphy kept making black movies for black people even after he became huge, and you could say, well, what's more integrating and what's more post racism? Right. Somebody like Kevin Hart who says I want to make movies for everybody versus somebody like Eddie Murphy who made Boomerang and Norbit and like ba- movies that were you know Vampire in Brooklyn. These are yeah. all black cast for black, and they did. And by the way, financially. They did a proportionate amount of revenue because they were for a black audience, which was a much smaller percentage of the population at that time. Yeah. So, you know, the reality is the only guy who's found a way to make all black content and make billions of dollars off of it is Tyler Perry. Right. And I love that people love to shit on Tyler Perry stuff because they're like, oh, well, it's that's not what we want to be known for culturally. But it's like, yeah, but when Medea's fucking Boo Halloween special he's makes $38 million in the yeah, opening weekend, yeah, you might, you because you live in Hollywood and you want to make art films, might not feel like that's representative of black culture, but the money doesn't lie. He's breaking down, you know, like walls in Hollywood. And what he's doing... He's got a fucking compound in Atlanta. And what he's doing is that he's also kind of, I mean, yeah, maybe his movies are kind of like, like what they are, yeah, but he, I mean, but but by getting to where he is, it's kind of like Oprah. He'll be able to open avenues for other, you know, black artists yeah. to kind of do the stuff they want, and they can go around other ways versus having to re- rely on traditional Hollywood stuff. But we Hollywood, haven't had. A, but Hollywood wants to be dismissive of Tyler Perry stuff because a he doesn't film in here; he films in Atlanta. Yeah, and then you know any any black people that work in artistic stuff, they see. Tyler Perry as like lowest common denominator, yeah. like they see it as like coonish yeah. or pander, and it's like, yeah. or it's celebrating a part of Black culture that you don't want to acknowledge still exists, yeah. which is obviously still a very big marketplace because he's doing huge numbers. Yeah, but but it's it's so weird, especially living here. It's like it, it trickles all the way down, like the perception trickles all the way down. So the I guess my comedy, point is Asian Asian people need a Tyler Perry. We do. I mean, because you you need somebody in the and and who knows Wang Wang Junlin or whatever could be the guy at Wanda Sue's could be the guy who brings that to well, the United a, States. That's the thing. Game. There's a big Asian film market. There's a big. I mean, 
Korean films are some of the best films. Chinese, Japanese films are some of the best films. But then, but then it's just like where, where is it just kind of there's a sometimes a language barrier, and I think as more second generation like Asian Americans come up, that's where I'll start blending in, and then you well, know, the, the thing that I think is awesome about Asian culture is you realize that the things in like we love Fresh Off the Boat. Yeah. But part of the reason why we love Fresh Off the Boat is because it's more about being born from immigrants than it yeah. is about being Chinese. Yeah. Because the things that make that show funny, Netta can relate to and I can relate to, yeah. even a generation removed, because while my parents weren't immigrants, my grandparents were. And so you kind of, there's some right, right. trickle down of how right. they were raised and things like that. Yeah. But there are things that Netta, at like verbatim, is like, my mother said that to me when I was a kid. Yeah. And you know that the writer's mothers said that to them. That's why it's in the show. Right. But one of the best examples is like, there was one thing where Eddie wanted to go on a sleepover and fresh off the boat. And his mom's like, you can't go on a sleepover. If you want to have your friends over here, you can have them stay over here, but you're not staying over anyone else's house. And he's like, why not, mom? And she goes, because we are not pedophiles. <laughs> And that's a, like that is right. like my mother said the exact same thing to me as a kid. Yeah, like, the the writing on that show is incredible. And this like, is yeah, I mean, and it's fucking gutsy. That's an ABC hey, show. Hey, that's Ali Ali like, Wong, Wong, Ali Wong, Shang Wang. Oh my god, they, it's oh, a, it's amazing. Like I would the, the love scene to write where on they, that show. The scene where they go to Taiwan. Yeah, and um, she's like, look at this. Nobody has time to be a pedophile. Everyone is working. Like, yeah, just yeah, the, just yeah. The, the, the poise. It's, there's the nuances. Jo- By the way, that... a lot of pedophile jokes in that show. But, um, <laughs> but it's hilarious. And like, just the commitment to saving money and the commitment yeah. to working hard and, yeah. and the double standard, like the expectation that Americans right. just don't right. don't know what hard work is or commitment or any of those things. And, yeah. and I think it's super cool that that show is unapologetic about those elements of Asian culture. Right. Even though it's more strict and it's more disciplined and it's more there's higher expectations, yeah. it doesn't try to make you empathize with those kids because they're being expected of more right. than the white counterparts in the show. It makes yeah. it funny. But, but see, I tell my friends, I tell my like, you know, white friends all the time. It's like that's a it's just a good show. Blackish you also watch is, it. All Blackish is also a great show. But see, it's right. it's the ABC. same reason why I I probably don't watch, I don't watch Blackish. And it's not that I don't think it's great or anything. It's just it doesn't immediately appeal to me, which is same with Fresh Off the Boat to other races. Yeah. Which would, and it's also the same reason why probably Hollywood doesn't make movies with an all Asian cast. This is like there's this fear that, oh shit, no one's going to be interested that isn't like, you know. And and eventually it'll change because we're all blending in like maybe 10. Ten years from you have a Sopranos poster on your wall, there'll be an Asian Sopranos, you know, where they're all speaking English and not broken English. But for right now, I just don't think people accept it. And well, I see there, this and in the stand-up a, world. And there it's is like, a tribalism to that, though. Like there is a tribalism of these people are like us or not like us, and so there is an immediate. Listen, there would have never been war in the first place if that's not ingrained in yes. human DNA. Correct. Correct. It's the same thing of those stories where they breed like gen- they'll breed generations and generations and generations of mice and put them in a maze and the mice that have never been exposed to predators can be exposed to a predator and they know to fear the predator it's ingrained in their brain yeah. so like this the idea that racism is some sort of architecturally designed emotion by white people uh, because of their centuries of being in power is ridiculous yeah. because in Africa 
there are there is racism between tribes and different right. classes of right. Africans. Yeah. Like watch Hotel Rwanda. White people didn't do that. Right. Africans did that to other Africans. Right. So there is a there's a the issue is not racial racial. The issue appears to be racial because there are racial differences, but it's tribalism. It's these people aren't my people. It's a so caste I, this system isn't for too. me. Yeah. It's like this this isn't for me. And and it's gonna take it's going to take what you're talking about. It's probably going to take another century of G, uh, of um, biological engineering yeah. to eliminate the ability to detect tribes. Yeah. We're going to have to, we're going to have to, uh, through evolution, remove that part of our brain that goes, this person's of a different tribe than me, so the things that are for them are not for me, and the things that are for me are not for them. Well, here's here's also kind of on that lines too. That's weird. It's like and sexuality is a part of that as well. Yeah. It's and here's the thing. It's like everyone wants to be included. It's like, well, why am I being excluded from this? I want to play too, but I also want to be segregated. I want to be able to do that, but then now I don't want you to do that. You know, it's like well, we talk whether it's gender, where it's race. It's like it's like well, I was telling you about uh, it's a weird it's a weird psyche. You and I had a conversation while I was on the road that Ned and I just had the other day. About like why don't successful people share the tricks, or the tips of their success, or how they got their things, or whatever, any of that. And it's because everybody is horrifically afraid. And I want to call out Jim Norton for being the only comedian who admits this. Jim goes, "My biggest fear every day is waking up and for everyone else to realize I'm a fraud, and that what I do is not special or unique, and that I don't, I'm not talented, and that I don't have these things." He's like, "That's my biggest fear, and I feel it every day, and it causes him to to be depressed." The problem is. Every artistic person is afraid of that because we're not special. We're not unique. We are talented, but a lot of people are talented. And we are in the position that we're in because of some combination of a little bit of talent and probably a lot of luck. And the reality is when people go, how did you get there? And the answer is, I kind of got lucky. Then they're afraid that it's going to be taken away from them because everyone else is going to realize they're not special. They're fortunate. There's a huge difference between being gifted and being fortunate. And the problem is where that tribalism comes in and everything else is people are afraid to expose that they're only where they are for, for because of fortune yeah. and not because of skill or talent or luck. And it's right. probably a combination. But, you know, if you were to ask, like, any other group of people, of successful people, like, hey, man, you, it's as simple as how did you get booked at that club or festival? They're just like, oh, you know, I don't really, I can't really say. Like, I'm the first one. People go, how did you get your show? I'm just like, well, you know, I worked really hard. No, it was, I, I, they fucking plucked me out of a thing. Now, there was a lot of preparation. Uh, a lot of preparation that went into making sure that when they started plucking, I had a better chance of being plucked. Yeah. And that's the yeah. only thing is like, put in the work. I tell people, put in the work so that when the luck shows up, you're in that right place at yeah. that right time. But the problem is, that still may not be a direct product of your efforts. Right. Like you, that might be some side thing that shows up that was not what you were trying to do. Yeah. And the worst thing people, the, the thing that people fear the most is that being exposed. And until we let go of that, none of that tribalism or classism will ever be removed from us socially. Until we have a full ability to just go, yeah, man, like a lot of luck. Lot, yeah. I was in the right place. When well, they decided, that's and, where the ego comes in, right? Me, 
They just picked me, man. I, I don't know why. And I don't know why when they focus grouped me, people liked it. And I don't know why when we started airing, we did the numbers. We did. I don't know. I don't know short of going into everyone's home and going, why do you like me? Well, that, that's, it's, it's kind of funny because I told you I've been taking this acting workshop. And I'm a terrible actor. But it's like there's some really talented people in there. And it's like I, I used to be in advertising. Uh, if people don't know. And I used to be, you know, I used to cat, like help. Cast yes. for my commercials and stuff, and so, so like these actors were just like, oh man, what did I do wrong? I can't believe I, you know, it's like did I audition bad or did whatever? They didn't like my. Sometimes it was had nothing to do with it. It's like, oh, this person just is two inches taller, yeah. or this person just matches up physically with the other person, and it, it's you know and, and the and client was... wants this guy because he looks safer, or you know, hey, the casting agent likes. This is one of her regular people, so she's pushing this person through, and had nothing to do with someone's skills, and so it's just there's and by so the many way, factors. Casting in itself is a complete exercise in paralysis of analysis. Oh, where these God. casting people take their decision making so fucking seriously yeah. that something as simple as well, this person's two inches taller actually yeah. makes a world of difference because they've said that it makes a world of difference. Yeah, a lot and, of it's arbitrary. And so much of it, too, is just people being like, um, I can just tell. And they're just reaching for something to maintain their own job security. Exactly, that's so, what it is. For I, some un, <clears throat> undeterminable, and it's the same thing. They don't want to go, listen, I just so happened to pick a girl who ended up winning an Academy Award one time. So now people expect me to be some kind of fucking show whisperer. Yeah. And now I have to come up with this extremely arbitrary nonsense. They've to... defined the parameters of their job. Right. So it's literally just like a survivalist way of trying to encode something that doesn't need to be encoded. Yeah. It's encryption. It's social encryption to say... Um, well, you can't pick these people. I pick these people. And you go, tell me why that Asian dude was better than this Asian dude. And then the word they use to mask this bullshit encryption is the it factor. They go, well, <laughs> he just has it, and I can't tell you what it is. I just know it when I see it. And all it is is fucking bullshit it that is nobody two letters can articulate. Yep. It is two letters of a lifetime of encrypted bullshit, and it's somebody trying to throw some shit in your face to tell you that they know something about picking talent that you don't. And the reality is it's it is shit. Comedy is the same way, man. There's a At reason the it is half of the word yeah. shit. Because yeah. that it factor is nonsense. And anybody who tries to tell you that they pick who they pick for a reason, other than just their gut instinct and what they feel, is full of shit. Yeah. Most of these. I've casted things, you've casted I've things. Cast... You just go, I like this person the most. Yeah. And that's who you pick. The gatekeepers of stand up comedy, same way. It's just like, and why anybody... are you pushing this person through? Oh, because. There's 10 other people that do the same thing, but I just picked that person. Well, and then there are some people who deliberately go away from the thing, the, the most obvious choice because they think that's how they'll separate themselves. Yeah. Where they go, well, anybody can go based off the, the, the talent, the obvious gift and ability yeah. to act, so I'm going to pick the dark horse so I look like some kind of fucking genius, other right? genius. And, and then you wonder why these people who aren't very good end up in these huge projects, and you just go, oh, yeah, yeah that person thinks they're the fucking... The dark night of casting. Yeah. Where they're just like, oh yeah, this this isn't the person this isn't the person the role deserves, but right. it's the person it needs. Right. It's just exactly. stupid shit. So Exactly. You had a little bit of everything in this episode. 
culture. We reviewed comedy. We gave you some real estate nonsense. Talk about bread and talked pe- about people bread. shoving bread their face. face in bread. This episode brought to you by Breadface. You mentioned real estate. We said real estate. We covered it all. Welcome uh, to the Everything Podcast podcast. <laughs> we talk about other podcasts. Yeah. Uh, I think that's it. You got yeah. anything to plug? Yeah. I started uh, plugging shit like 30 minutes ago. I know. Ago, I didn't really... plugs are all how long, how long are we going for? About an hour and a half. It's like a Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah, man. Uh, well, if you're still listening, I'm going to be in... what's Next week, the April Fool's weekend, I'm going to be in Chicago. Uh, uh, the 30, March 31st and April 1st at Riddle's Comedy Club. Uh, so I think it's south of Chicago a little bit. And then the week after that, uh, starting Thursday through Sunday, I'm going to be at the Des Moines Funny Bone, both with my friend Mike Baldwin, very funny guy. And then after that, I'll be in Kansas City for a little bit. Can people find your dates on your on a website? Yeah, go to TonyVin.com. V-I-N-H? Yeah, V-I-N-H.com. Or you can find me on Facebook, uh, TonyVin.comedian. And then uh, on, I post on Instagram a lot. Uh, and you're just at Tony Vin. Tony Vinstagram. V- oh, yeah, Tony V-I-N-H-stagram. Got it. Uh, or just find me on Josh's stuff. Yeah, there you go. Well, thanks, man. Thanks yeah, for doing it was, this. It was and, enlightening. Uh, we'll hit some... Uh, we got to vent a little bit about comedy. Yeah. And we'll... And it's we'll my alpha some, brain working. It is. It definitely <laughs> works. All right. And we'll hit some Ray's Barbecue. Uh, we'll have to do that this weekend or something before I leave. Let's do it. Yeah, because I leave for three weeks next we're, week. We're both very busy and important people very, because we have it. We have it. There's a lot.